Hello and welcome to episode number 14 of the Beauty Business Podcast. And today we're talking about cash flow cures, bigger upsells and generating dependable, predictable and recurring revenue. This is the show for the health and beauty industry, particularly you independents out there. I'm here to connect you to the people, tools, tips and advice to help you get your beauty business, salon, clinic or spa to where you want it to be. Now, my name is Adam Chatterley. I am your host here and I'm on a mission to help mobile therapists, home salons and independent salons and spas to reach their business goals through simple, practical, focused business advice, ideas and tips. We're all about the foundations of building an incredibly profitable, stress-free beauty business. Now, in the first 12 episodes of the Beauty Business Podcast, my goal was to bring you a new episode every couple of weeks, which was to be packed with information covering the topics that beauty business owners are struggling with right now. However, due to the incredible feedback I've received, now I've launched season two, I've decided to go big. And from now on until the end of the year, I'll be bringing you a new episode every single week. So you'll always have something to delve into to help you get your business to where you want it to be and build the business you desire. It's not just going to be me either. I'll be bringing you experts from within the industry and also from outside of the health and beauty industry to give you their advice to help you grow your business the right way. So as I always say, I can't tell you how to do a better massage, a better manicure or a facial, but I can help you to get clients, the ones you really want, to reduce your costs, increase your profits, sell more retail, control your time and generally make more money for all your hard work, time and effort. Now, today's episode is one of those episodes where I'm not alone. Today, we have a very special guest. I'm pleased to call him a friend and he is an award-winning salon owner, author, mentor, speaker, and fellow podcaster. I'm really not sure how he manages to fit it all in. He is the owner of Bravo Hairdressing and the founder of buildyoursalon.com. His name is Phil Jackson. You may well have seen his videos on Facebook or on YouTube, and today he's here to tell us more about an incredible innovation he has used in his own salon and taught to many other salon owners that helps banish those cash flow worries, generate bigger and better upsells, all while providing you with a dependable revenue for your business. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome to the podcast, Phil Jackson. Thank you very, very much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. It's my pleasure. Brilliant. Okay, so um, I'm sure everyone has heard of you before, but just in case there's a couple of people out there who haven't heard of Phil Jackson, can you give us a very, very brief history? Okay, brief history of Phil Jackson is I've been in the salon space now for just over 20 years. Um, for 15 of those, I've had my own salon, um, which is a hair salon down in the south of England. Um, and then the last probably three or four years, I've come away from the salon. So I still own the salon, still still run it as a kind of CEO, if you like. Um, and then I coach and mentor other salon owners to help them get better results and ultimately to, to lead the kind of life that they want, really. I help people get the salon they deserve, is my tagline. Um, and so to that end, I do my coaching and mentoring. I also build online training and information products. Um, and I've written a couple of books along the way and, and, and all the lovely social media stuff that we have to do to support all that. So there's the blog and the videos and the podcast and you, you know how it goes, Adam. 
Fantastic. Yeah, we'll have we'll have loads of links and everything at the end too. If anyone wants to follow Phil on any of his social media accounts, we'll put all the links in the show notes pages. Now, um, I've actually met Phil in person. Um, we met for a, a drink down in a pub, random pub somewhere down in Newbury, I think it was, a year or so ago. I don't think it was as glamorous as that. I think it was Rando. But... <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we had a great chat, and uh, I have to say, I kind of came across uh, Phil because you won an award, um, an award in the industry for innovation, of all things, mm-hmm. um, and sort of through that, you ended up writing a book called The Hairy Book of Innovation, which is available at all good bookstores. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to know what, you know, your award for innovation, have you kind of always sought to do things a little bit differently, or, or was it something that kind of uh, evolved through, through running the business? I think it's something that evolved through just getting old and slightly belligerent, to be honest with you, Adam. I think it's um, I think for a lot of years you um, you look to your own industry for ideas and and, and there's a lot of accepted wisdom. And I'm using inverted commas around the word wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, There's lots of ideas and concepts and ways of doing things that we just kind of take as the way things are in our industry. Um, and what I've got increasingly cross with over the years is I think it's an industry that's open to quite a lot of abuse from outside. I think we get manipulated um, sometimes by the people that should be helping us, really. And I, I'm, I've kind of made it my um, my cause, if you like, to fight the corner for the salon industry, because I think we're, we're sort of under attack on a few fronts. And mm-hmm. I think I think government's kind of getting in there with its boot because it's seen that it's a nice cash rich industry and, and employs yep. lots of people in sometimes quite an inefficient way. Um, I think the training side of it has been letting us down for donkey's years. I, I really do think that the training providers need to take a long, hard look and figure out exactly what it is that they're trying to achieve because yeah. it very much it feels like a tick in a box rather than actually turning out people into the salon industry who are prepared for a career and a future career as well. They don't do any of the business training anymore. It's literally just you know the bare minimum to get your qualification, and I think that's appalling. Yeah. Um, and I think also, dare I say it, and someone's going to put my head on a stick for it, but I think our manufacturers let us down really badly. Um, I think we instinctively turn to them, particularly for business education, which I think is really dangerous because ultimately, in, in a lot of ways, they're one of our strongest competitors. They're certainly competing with us on profit margin. Um, and then very often, not so much in the beauty side, but definitely in the hair side, you know, you see the same brand name as you're trying to peddle as an amazing professional product. Um, and then it's in your local supermarket and your local chemist as well. Absolutely. And customers, you know, customers don't know the difference. And then why should they, to be honest with you? Um, and that's quite deliberate on the part of the manufacturers. Um, so I think we're kind of being trained to 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 serve their agenda rather than actually what's best for our industry. Um and so in a very roundabout way, what I'm trying to say is that we had to start looking outside the industry for ideas. Um, and I think it's quite telling, in fact. You know, I've, I've made it through to the finals on that award. Uh, this will be my third year running, and I've, and I've won the award for innovation as well. And mine is one salon in the south of England. You know, I'm a, I'm a small, you know, I'm a small fish in a very, very big pond. Um, and it's because we're just not generating new ideas. We're not bringing innovation in. And, and so by definition, innovation happens to us um so our manufacturers dictate how we're going to innovate or the banks in tell us how we're going to innovate or legislation tells us how to innovate which means we're not steering that innovation we're not doing what's best for us so so the book and and really everything i've done since then has been a kind of call to arms really it's to is to get people to rally around and start taking the business side of it very seriously and start moving our industry forward in the way that serves us best 
Fantastic. Yeah. And it was, like I say, it was very much the innovation side of things and, and the book that kind of, uh, when I came across and, and found you. And if you were to, to kind of look through the, the Harry book of innovation, it's, it's largely, I mean, it's talking about innovation in a general sense, but it's kind of focused around one particular um, scheme that you put in place. And I believe that's what you mm. actually won the award for. Remind me what, what the award was, which... So it's the it's the most wanted award, which is from Creative Head magazine. It's their award for innovation. And that was for the membership program that I'd brought into the salon. Um, and, yeah, it's um, it's it's changed my business completely and actually steered steered the latter part of my career for me as well. And that's brilliant. That's a great segue, because that is what we're here to talk about today. And mm-hmm. I want to kind of dive into this a bit more. But first of all, what was it that actually led you? down the road of creating the membership scheme in your salon in the first place? Um, it came through a networking meeting, actually. Um, I've always had networking as, as one of the pillars in our marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm really honest with you, I can't bear networking. I just hate it. Um, it I find it absolutely soul destroying. Not the industry networking. I love industry networking. I love meeting salon owners and managers and, and figuring out what they're doing that really works and sharing ideas. And I think maybe not in a very formal way at the events that I go to but certainly in the bar afterwards there's lots of brilliant networking going yep. on there but but local industry networking I just hate it um you know, sit me in a room with you know t- <laughs> 10 web designers and five accountants and just watch me glaze over um but I, I do see it as important for raising the profile of the salon so it's yep. been it's been part of our strategy for quite a few years now um and and it's my problem I I feel very insecure about my business in that kind of environment and I think I think that people look down on our industry slightly and actually I'm not sure they do. I think it's kind of my hang up rather than theirs. But um, I was um, at a networking event and I was sat next to a guy from a gym um, and I had a chat with a mentor of mine and I, and I said how much I hated networking and, and she gave me this really useful tool and we called it the love child game um, so in the love child game you have to mentally you don't kind of do it out loud otherwise you look a bit strange um, <laughs> but you, you mentally kind of create the love child of your business and whoever it is that you're talking to okay. um, so yeah you kind of imagine what that business would look like um, and so over the course of a networking meeting, you can kind of meet five or six different people, five or six different industries, and actually come up with five or six different business ideas. And, and most of them are really ugly, and you're not going to do anything with them <laughs> at all. But every now and again, you just get a little glimmer of hope um, or something that, that kind of sparks a, a thought process. So I sat next to this guy um, from the gym, and obviously the, the easy thing to do would be say, to say our love child would be to put a concession in his gym. Um, but he already had a salon concession in there, so that was going to let me off the hook too easily. Right. Um, so I thought, okay, there's no, there's no mileage in that. But what I thought was really interesting was he was talking about the membership model that they have. Um, and I thought, do you know, there's something there. There's something we can learn from the gym industry and certainly the membership model. And how can we apply that in a profitable way for salons? And that's what I created. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of a very long winded explanation but that's that's where it came from initially it was just a networking meeting a little bit of brainstorming and and trying to apply something from outside the industry and actually that's what the rest of the book is about it's just about taking ideas from outside the industry trying to figure out how we can make them work for us cool and how long have you been using a membership scheme in your salon we're i'm just literally doing the pricing this month for year five so we've got four years under our belts now um and so year one was when we got the award for innovation 
and then I've been helping lots of other salons with their membership programs off the back of that as well. So I've seen lots of membership programs over the last few years. Awesome. So for the listeners, let's take a big step back and let's, can you explain exactly what you mean by a salon membership program and how they work? Okay. I'm, I'm pleased that we can, we can clear this up a little bit um, because I see lots of salon owners and managers working on ways to, um, to spread the cost of expensive treatments. So, for example, I've had a couple of visits to um, an aesthetic clinic um, and they've set up what they're calling membership scheme for Botox and fillers. So you pay um, a fixed amount every month and that entitles you, I think it's to three Botox treatments and, and two lots of fillers a year. Okay. Um, and that's where we started really about, about five years ago. Um, and I can, I can talk you through the journey that we went through. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in year one, our basic membership was, so ours is a hair salon. Yeah. Um, so our basic membership was seven haircuts and seven take-home products a year. Right. Um, and that's, that's kind of where we started with our very basic level. Um, but that was really messy to administer. Our software didn't particularly support memberships in a meaningful way. And the clients didn't really know how many cuts they were entitled to. You know, they didn't know how many they'd taken already. Um, and it was kind of like we'd limited their spend a little bit. So in their heads, they could only have seven haircuts, which, of course, was stupid because they could buy as many extra haircuts as they wanted. Oh, yeah. So it really limited the impact and, and limited the scope of the membership program. Um, so I think there's a place for that kind of scheme, but that's not what I call memberships now. So, so for me, a salon membership is as close to a gym membership um, for your body or your skin or your hair as possible. Right. Um, so clients pay a membership fee every month and they mm-hmm. get access to ideally an unlimited amount of service or product or treatment. Um, and obviously we've got to build in some, some T's and C's in terms of conditions around that. Yeah. Um, and the, and the biggest one really is that we won't do anything that's not either accepted best practice or it's not manufacturer's instruction. So, um, instinctively i think you think you're going to be opening up your salon to all kinds of abuse of the system and there's going to be people really you know you're going to end up going bankrupt through these membership schemes but realistically there's a limit to the number of service a client is going to have so so i encourage the people that i coach and mentor to to head in a a very unlimited way um and i think it's um a much easier thing to market than if it's unlimited i'm with you and so what would do you have kind of different tiers of of membership is there Mm. different offerings or yeah we do so we've got four levels Uh um in year one they were really imaginatively called bronze silver gold and platinum okay (laughs) and that was the that was the first thing that had to change in year two really we had to put some imagination in there um so our very basic level is called scissor happy now and that entitles (laughs) you to as many haircuts as you want in a year um and for a fixed monthly amount and that's it that's all you get is just the haircuts um and then we build up from there really and then the very top level um my customers can have as many haircuts as they want as many hair colors as they want they can come in for as many visits in between for blow dries as they want um and as many deep conditioning treatments in the salon as they want as well so all of that's unlimited on my top level and then we've got a couple of levels in between that are kind of halfway houses um so yeah a, a tiered system works really well um especially i think in hair where we're a little bit better at tiered pricing anyway um i think a lot of beauty salons and spas struggle a little bit with tiered pricing which is something that i think they need to work on really you need to get get a a real grip on that because it's it's pretty much easy money um but i think certainly in hairdressing then then tiered memberships work really really well 
And what would you say to the people? Because I think there probably is, as soon as people hear this and hear about, you know, unlimited things, they immediately are going to assume that people are going to just absolutely take advantage of, of the offer. I mean, what has been your experience of that? Is that the case or? Not really. It does work a little bit like a gym membership. And I don't know if you're the same as me, but if <laughs> in the very rare occasions when I've joined a gym, um, you join with the very best intentions and you're in the gym every single day, even if you're just using the sauna um, to make sure you get your money's worth. And then after about a month, you kind of find a level of use which fits into the rest of your life and, and you kind of find a level with it. Um, yeah, my level, my level of use is paying for my membership and never going. That's kind of my... Well, <laughs> really interesting though. I was talking to this guy at this networking event and actually the gym industry relies on the fact that half of their members don't go. Yeah. If everybody turned up, they would not be able to, to service all of the members they have. So that's built into the membership model for gyms. And I'm certainly not suggesting that we go down that path and encourage people to pay for memberships they're not using. But um, I thought it was really interesting that that yep. was kind of the whole industry business model relies on people like you and me that join a gym and never go. Absolutely. Um, but it's the same with salon memberships. So people tend to come in an awful lot in that first couple of weeks and then they, it starts to find a level. People have got busy lives, you yep. know, um, and, it, and it's all priced in, you know, so no, nobody's making a loss on it. Excellent. It's, and um, obviously the more they're using it, the better value it is. But equally, um, what we've done to get around the unlimited side of it is we limit the amount of time people can book ahead. Um, so if, for example, you're on my very top level of membership, you can come in every day and have your hair blow dried if you want, but you can't book those blow dries more than a month ahead. Right. Um, so it may not be your favorite stylist who, who does your blow dry for you. Somebody will see you, mm -hmm. um, but it may well be that you're going to a more junior stylist or, or basically what you're doing up is filling up people's columns um, with membership services, but you can only fill the columns of the people that aren't that busy. Yeah. Um, so it does increase utilisation on those quieter members of staff as well. That's fantastic. Yeah. So my next question was going to be to ask a silly question. So what are the benefits of having a membership programme in place? What are the benefits? Do you know, this is beautiful timing, Adam. We've got this podcast being recorded on absolutely the right time because I am talking to you from the roof terrace of my house in Spain. Oh, that sounds terrible um, for you, Phil. <laughs> I, I know, it's shocking. So I'm looking out, and we're in the old town, so I'm looking out over all the roof terraces. It's, it's a lovely town. It's all higgledy-piggledy streets and whitewashed walls. Um, and I can just, if I squint, I can just peer through some of the houses and I can just see the Mediterranean over in the distance. And that's where I'm going as soon as we finish that call. Yeah. And, and we're recording this on the 1st of August, right? Yes. Yes. Well, in my salon, August is a really poor month for turnover um, because our customer avatar, so our target market, is high-end, high-income working mums. Um, so the second that the kids break up, the second that the mums start to struggle with childcare, mm -hmm. we go quiet in the salon. Um, so August has always been a very, very quiet month for us. So I tend to encourage lots of the team to take their holidays and vacations in August gotcha. as well. So the situation we're in now is I'm not in the salon. It's August mm -hmm. and a third of my team is on holiday as well. Right. But by the end of today, being the first of the month, 25% of my salon turnover will be banked. Okay, wow. so that's all of my fixed costs are covered. My rent, my business rates, all the utilities, the insurance, it's all paid automatically into my account first of the month before we've even opened the doors um, and that's an amazing feeling because it means that those peaks and troughs in turnover that I've always struggled with and mm -hmm. February was another uh, was our worst month February was the worst month we've ever had right, that makes sense, um, yeah. Yeah, it's all been smoothed out 
Um, I mean, we still get peaks and troughs, but those swings in turnover just aren't as apparent anymore. It means that I can plan for the business now. I can make financial plans knowing there's a certain amount of money which is already banked. Okay. Um, so it's just a lot more predictable, and it makes the business planning side of it much, much easier. So that's that's the biggest benefit for me. But then I'm a bit of a salon geek, and I like the finance side. Um, and... You know, it's a, it's a massive, massive win for me financially. But for the clients, it's kind of, it's a bit of a no-brainer as well, really. If they're loyal customers, and you're not going to sell memberships to people that aren't loyal because they won't want like the commitment. Yeah. But they're making, you know, a, a, a small saving, not an insignificant saving. And, and I think we should talk a little bit about discounting at some stage as well. Yeah. Um, but it's smoothing out their spend as well, so they can budget much more effectively. Uh, and this is probably more apparent in something like hair or where you've got things like aesthetics where people aren't coming in every single month. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say if you take, for example, a, a haircut client, she's going to be coming in, if you're lucky, she'll be coming in every six weeks. Industry average is closer to eight. Um, so by definition, she has an expensive salon month yeah. and then a cheap salon month. Yeah, I'm with you. If she joins the membership, you know, in, in the same way as my turnover has been fluctuating, her spend has been fluctuating with it. Move her on to membership, and then all of a sudden, her monthly salon spend is exactly the same month after month. Um, but what's interesting is that we found not only are our members the most loyal customers we've got, mm-hmm. they're also the biggest spenders. Um, and I don't have any kind of research to back this up at all, and this is just my gut feeling, but I think it's because they feel like they're not paying if that makes sense. Um, I see. Because so, the payments are taken automatically. Yeah, yeah. Um, they feel like they're not spending money in the salon, so they seem much more willing to spend when they're in the salon. So they tend to be the ones okay. that it's easiest to upsell to, it's easiest to retail products to as well. Um, and then, I mean, we've touched on loyalty, but and, and I'm not talking about loyalty because we tied them into a 12-month agreement. Um, but I think we've only lost two clients from the salon who have been... Um, been club bravo is the name of our scheme so only two club bravo clients have left the salon and that's one she had a change in personal circumstances unfortunately her husband lost a job couldn't afford to come to the salon anymore and the other one sadly passed away a couple of months ago and that's the only two clients we've lost so they're much much more loyal it's, it's like they're part of uh, literally a salon club and they feel like part of part of the um, part of the salon setup as well that's incredible um it is absolutely amazing. And, and we do get some people that don't renew their membership, but the bulk of them absolutely do. They just let it roll on year after year. And I've got clients that we signed up on day one of launch and they're still members, you know, four and a half years down the line. Fantastic. Um, but I think the biggest benefit, and if I'm really honest with you, this is going to be short-lived. Um, I think it's just that your competitors aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're looking for a way to, to try and stand out from the salon down the road, this is a really useful tool. Honestly, though, I think you've probably got about three years. I think in about three years, there'll be somebody in most towns doing some kind of membership program because the benefits are so strong. Right. But but for now, you, you've got a real opportunity. You can either be the guy who is the first in your town, and that's the wonderful thing. You know, mm. If you're the first in your town, that title can't be taken from you. Um, or you get to be the guy who's who's kind of copying the first in town. But, uh, yeah, I think that's you've got about three years to get in on, on the membership game. Cool. Now, so I've got a lot of listeners who probably are maybe hair salons or hair and beauty businesses, but a lot of my listeners are going to be just beauty or massage businesses only. Do you think mm-hmm. this type of model can work for them as well? Do you have any kind of experience with that? I do, and I, do, I haven't actually found 
a business that can't use it to some extent. Right. And I've seen it work. You know, I've seen it work in lots of hair salons because that's kind of where it was born. Uh-huh. Um, but I've seen it work in beauty salons. I've seen it work in clinics. I've seen it work in spas. Um, but I think there are two fundamental mistakes that salon owners and managers make when they start thinking about salon memberships and they're the things if we're really honest they're the things that are going through the minds of your listeners right now (laughs) um and and there's they're making this kind of mental block which is which is going to be stopping them wanting to get going and the first is that they're trying to come up with a membership that includes every service and that's a big mistake um i've seen memberships in multi-stream salons that only offer memberships for nails um, I've seen programs in hair salons that only apply it to their blow dries. Um, the cosmetic clinic that I was talking about earlier, they only use it for their Botox. and um, They've got a huge range of injectables and, and non-invasive treatments, but um, they only use it for their Botox and their fillers. Um, I've seen one salon that only uses it for tanning. Um, so you don't have to include every service. And I would actually actively discourage you from building in every service because you need to have the ability to upsell there's money left on the table if you've got nothing left to sell Um, so i would always make sure that you've got some services which aren't included in the membership so that's the first thing that people get wrong is they try and throw everything in and the kitchen sink as well Um, and the second mistake that they make is they try and make it for everybody Um, what you're doing is giving people the opportunity to join Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not an obligation. It's, it's going to be their choice. Um, and in the same way as you wouldn't recommend a particular, I don't know, um, say a particular type of massage or a particular facial to everyone, the membership program isn't going to be for everyone as well. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of salons that get discouraged by that. So they think, well, if not everybody is going to join, then why would we bother? But, um, you know, I've got I've sketched out a really quite negative i think scenario so let's say you've got um a salon that offers some kind of tanning and tanning only accounts for say 10 percent of their turnover Mm -hmm. and maybe you can only get half of your tanning customers to join your membership program that's still five percent of your income every month for the next 12 months paid into your account automatically and that's a really big step forward for your business so i think that you can absolutely enjoy success with memberships but it doesn't have to be a huge thing so and I've, you know, I've your seen, whole business no god yeah. no and right. there are salons that do and I, there's salons in the states in particular i work with a guy over there and um you know they're running sort of 80 85 percent of their turnover going through memberships so it's almost everybody coming through the door is doing membership but uh, it doesn't have to be that way and I, th- I i actively think that you know i think use it to smooth out those peaks and troughs use it to get some predictable income in your salon but it doesn't need to be all encompassing it's just yeah. another tool in your armory okay. um and I think it, it could be much more important in salons. I think we need some help from the software side of it, though. Um, the software companies aren't really on board with it. There's a couple coming over to the UK in the next year or so who do offer um, membership support in their, um, in their packages, but uh, a lot of them don't. And that makes it a little bit more work than it needs to be. Right. Um, so that's kind of put an artificial limit on how much I want to do in my salon. Um, so we're running about usually between 20 and 25 percent of turnover through memberships. That could easily be 50. Um, it's just that it's it's a little bit more work than it needs to be. Okay, I was I was going to ask sort of what kind of percentage you was uh, were you hitting at the moment, but that's really interesting. So that's well, a quarter of your business. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, like I said, it, there is definitely room for growth in there, but there's a bit of manual work that I have to do right. um, purely because the salon system we've got doesn't integrate with payments. Gotcha. Now, because membership is sort of, I guess, still unusual in this kind of industry, 
to get people on board do you have to give loads of things away do you have to kind of really max out the value to be able to get people on board with it or is it um you don't need to be discounting in a really big way at all there's really really no need um i think i think you've kind of hit on two things in the same sentence there really i think we have to max out on value definitely that doesn't mean discounting okay um so I think when you start to analyze what the benefits are for the customers, you know, they can budget for their salon spend much more easily. Mm-hmm. They're not worrying about waiting an extra couple of weeks for their facial or making their color last a couple of extra weeks. Um, you know, they, they're guessing what they're getting is their body or their skin or their hair being absolutely on point every single day. Yeah. And that's got really big value for a client. Um, and then if you can build in one or two things that nobody else can get hold of, so you're building some exclusive benefits as well, your discount level can actually be really low. Okay. Um, and we run on something like a 5% discount level, which is peanuts. Um, and bearing in mind that that's, um, so we have a loyalty program in the salon, which pays back about 10%. So actually they're getting less of a discount than if they were paying as they went. Really? Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. Because they're getting some extra benefits thrown in there too. And, and you can get really creative with those benefits. So, um, so our membership top tier, they get something called a Mayday voucher. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a guaranteed availability. Um, and they only get one. Um, they used to get two, but now they only get one. So once a year, uh-huh. for whatever reason, if they've been taken out on a date that they weren't expecting, or maybe they've got an interview and didn't get much notice, they can call the salon, and I give them a special number which goes through to my mobile. Um, so they can call the salon before 8, and we guarantee that somebody will see them to do their hair by 2 p.m. that day, any day of the year. The same day? Okay, the same day. Any Even day? Christmas Day. Christmas any day. day. Wow. Christmas Day. They can call before 8 o'clock. And it sounds insane, doesn't it? It sounds crazy. Like, who the hell wants to go to work on Christmas Day? But if you think it through, these are my top-level members, okay? Yeah. So they're the ones that are coming in for blow dryers in between, as many colors as they want, as many cuts as they want, as many conditioning treatments as they want. Yeah. They're the most organized clients we have. Right. Okay? They're in every month. Some of them are in every week. Some of them are in two or three times a week. Okay, they're not the ones that are going to get caught out with bad hair because they've suddenly got a date to go on. Um, So they're most organized with their appointments. They're the ones that plan the furthest ahead. Um, And also, we've got lots of opportunity to find out what's going on in their lives. So if you understand what's going on in their lives, you can start suggesting appointments. So if I know that somebody's applying for lots of jobs at the moment, we can say we need to make sure your hair's on point just in case you get that interview you're after. Um, so we're trying to preempt things like that. And I'm, I'm, honestly, it's one of the biggest selling points is our Mayday vouchers for that top level of membership. The clients absolutely love having that guaranteed availability. Yeah, it but sounds amazing. Four, it, it does sound amazing. But in four years, and this is a trade <laughs> secret, you don't tell anybody, in four years, I've had one client use it. You do realize you're on a podcast here, Phil. <laughs> Seriously, I know. My customers won't listen to it. It's fine. <laughs> they, they try and ignore everything that I do. Um, <laughs> but the... Um, yeah, in four years, we've had one customer use it. Fantastic. So it's, this, it's a perceived benefit. So absolutely, it's real. You know, if somebody called me on Christmas Day, I would make sure that either myself or somebody would go over, open the salon. They can't choose the stylist. This is the other thing. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's not it's not an imagined thing that we're going to try and back out of. No. no. Um, but for all that extra value that the customer thinks they're getting, actually, 
for me, the downside is virtually zero. And in fact, the customer who used the voucher told me she was going to use it as well. Excellent. So she called up on the Monday and she wanted an appointment on Thursday for some reason. We were fully booked. So she told me on the phone, I'm going to call you on Thursday morning and use a Mayday voucher. So I had three days <laughs> she, to get she cover gave you notice. Then. Amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the, the discounting thing, it doesn't need to be a huge discount at all. There's lots and lots of ways you can build benefits without discounting. Um, I think a, a little bit of a discount in there can just nudge people over the edge, though. If you can, um, and in fact, we did this in year one, so you could only sign up to the club if you had been a customer for a year. So we had your pattern of spend then. Uh. Um, so then I could print out how many appointments you'd had, how much you would have paid, um, and if we had have the membership scheme in place, how much you could have saved. And that was a really nice demonstration for people just in those early years before they really knew That's what was going on with it. And yeah, literally, sort of, just a five percent discount was enough to just nudge people over the edge. So they're getting that predictability of spend. They're getting some exclusive benefits as well, and and saving just a few pounds a month. It doesn't need to be a massive, massive discounting exercise. Okay. Now, has it all been smooth sailing, or has there been any kind of bumps along the, the oh way? Oh my with it? goodness, no! It's been an absolute <laughs> car crash at times. It's been awful. Um, no, we've had some horrible mistakes. Right. Um, and yeah, some of them, yeah, we should have preempted, but uh, some of them just come along and, and, and bite you on the back of the neck without you really realizing. <laughs> um, but it's definitely not been plain sailing. What, what you need to remember, though, is, is year one, we had nobody to copy. We had nobody to take inspiration from, really. So yeah. we were literally sailing uncharted territories. And, uh, and year one was horrible in lots of ways. I mean, already I've told you what the packages were called, which is the ugliest marketing <laughs> I think anyone's ever came on. Um, and we'd overcomplicated it. So I think our, our basic membership then was... Um, no, we had our top membership. Okay, see if you can figure out where the flaw in my plan was here. Okay. So we had um, top-level membership where you could have unlimited haircuts... Yep. Unlimited hair colours, unlimited conditioning treatments, unlimited blow dries, and unlimited retail products. Okay, yeah, so yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing left to sell them. And, Can uh, you imagine? And Can yeah. you imagine? Literally, we put it out there, and almost straight away, I started having small palpitations. Um, you know, by the end of day one, we'd sold out on that level of membership. I thought, oh my god, what are we going to do? I literally had visions of people coming in with clearing empty the shopping shelves. Trolleys. I was going to say, seriously, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be down the car boot sale on a Sunday selling all my lovely retail products. Um, but again, that was my hang-up, not theirs. They were loyal customers. They'd been to us for a year, um, and we were very lucky. Um, but I think part of it that made that I mean, when I say we sold out of membership, so in year one we limited the numbers of memberships that were on sale. Right. So that top level of membership, we only had five. Um, so we could, you know, we weren't going to get lots and lots. There weren't going to be crowds of people coming in taking retail products from uh-huh. me. Um, and of course, the other side of it was that if they were coming in so frequently. Um, and they were having conditioning treatments in the salon and stuff. Actually, there was very little they needed at home. Okay. Um, so we were very yeah. lucky. We just about got away with that one. And also, I mean, we we had um, one level of membership where you could get, I think it was eight haircuts, eight color services, and eight retail products. And I thought that would be really easy. I thought the clients would come in every six weeks or so, mm-hmm. um, have a cut and have a color and take a shampoo or something home. We got that so wrong, Adam. So really? wrong. Oh, my God, yeah, because they split the flipping appointments didn't they so we've got a whole chunk of clients that were coming in on their lunch break for a haircut 
Hmm. And then we'd see them two or three week, weeks later for a hair colour. So very quickly we'd lost track of how many haircuts they uh, had, how many you. hair colours they had. They didn't always need a shampoo on that visit, so they were coming yeah. in in between times. It was just all over the place, so we didn't know where <laughs> we were at. Um, so, yeah, we, we made some really horrible mistakes. And then there's been some beautiful admin errors on my part. We had one top-level member. She managed six months without me realising she hadn't been paying anything. Good work. <laughs> so that was an expensive mistake to make. <laughs> and uh, luckily... You know, she was very good about it and paid us the back dues, which oh. she didn't have to do. Um, so yeah, there's been some been some mistakes along the way, but um, it's always been limited downside. I've always limited the exposure, so even now we limit the number of memberships that we sell on sure. each level, um, and just make sure we learn the lessons for next year, really. And in terms of so the flip side of that, were there any unexpected or unplanned benefits and wins that uh, you hadn't sort of realised were going to come so, about? Certainly the increase in upsell was not expected. I thought particularly on those top levels where people are getting a lot of service included, I didn't think they'd be buying anything. Um, so for them to then come in and buy extra services, I thought was, was that was definitely unexpected for me. Okay. Um, and I didn't really think, I thought it would alter people's pattern of behavior i thought people would be coming in much more frequently and actually they don't they've kind of gone back to the pattern that they were always in um maybe after a, a you know, month or two of, of being a bit silly and coming in lots and lots but after you get past those couple of months they pretty much stick to the routine they've always had um and i didn't expect that i thought we'd be seeing a lot more of people um we've got more tips which is really strange um so again i think it's because people don't really feel like they're spending money when they're in the salon the guys are enjoying a lot more in the way of gratuities okay. um, than they were getting before um and i don't know i didn't really expect people to feel quite so much part of a club with it um i didn't think there would be um a kind of group think that went with it I, I don't know i wasn't really expecting that i suppose because I, because i've never been a particularly loyal gym member i've never really felt <laughs> that that was me kind of joining a tribe if you like right. um but my members are definitely a tribe and, and and they are the most loyal they're certainly the most vocal if anybody tries to criticize us on facebook my goodness you don't want a member to see it because they will shoot you down really? um they're, they're fantastic yeah they're fantastic for rallying and um they tend to be the ones if we're doing in salon events they'll be the first ones to buy tickets for so they really okay. do feel part of the salon experience and, and I don't think I really expected that. I think I was expecting it to be much more transactional and much less emotional. Do you think it's brought in new clients, the fact that you've got a membership in place? I don't. Um, I don't think it has. I think it's something that impresses people when they come in as new clients. Uh -huh. Um, but we're very careful about who we offer memberships to. Okay. Um, so if we're a little bit unsure about what their pattern of spend might be like, then we don't tend to go there. Um, and yeah, I like people to feel kind of established first. So we've got an onboarding process for when a new customer um, comes into the salon. So there's a certain number of visits before they're classed as regulars and they get some vouchers and discounts for those first few visits. So we kind of don't really complicate things too much in those first few visits. Um, and when we've got a feel for the kind of customer they're going to be, um, then we figure out whether they're going to be a good fit for memberships or not. It's not something we offer to absolutely everybody. So it's almost um, like a, an invite-only kind of thing. You've, you've built some exclusivity around it as well. A little bit. And actually limiting the number of memberships available on each level did that anyway. Okay. Yeah, know, of course. It, it, it suddenly made that top level much more desirable, particularly in the first couple of years where we were only offering five. You know, you were lucky to get on them and we had people almost on a waiting list um, waiting to become members at the top level. Um, 
so yeah that feeling of exclusivity i think it, it does make it feel like a bit more of a vip thing and then we do some other stuff for the members along the way so you know everybody gets a text message with a voucher or, a, or an email with a voucher on their birthday actually when they're members they get a card through the post with a voucher instead <laughs> so just li little touches you know little extra things that you can afford to do for your members so i suppose we do kind of foster that feeling of, of belonging and exclusivity well, i know you, um, part so on, it's, you part on events as well on. don't you just for them we do, we do. We did. Um, in fact, we did a referral event, so that was kind of our biggest influx of, of new customers. So what we did was took a suite at the race course, um, and we asked all our members to come along, but they had to bring someone that they thought would be a really good fit for Club Bravo as well. Okay. Um, and we signed up a huge number of new members that day. Um, it actually is not, not something that we're going to repeat because we don't need those big numbers all in one go. But um, <laughs> that was year two, I think, we were trying to get lots of members in. Uh -huh. So, yeah, there's, there's different bits that we, we, again, extra perceived benefits don't actually cost us an awful lot of money. Um, but they mean a lot to our customers. And, and that's, that's a win-win. That's what we're all after. Absolutely. Okay. So hopefully we've peaked people's interest and, and giving them some food for thought to to explore what what i think the more i've kind of learned about it and talked to you the, i think it's a really exciting opportunity in in our industry so for anyone who is maybe thinking of starting or, or putting in place some sort of membership scheme what would be your kind of top tip to either do or avoid uh, when thinking about it I think the I think we've touched on a couple of them already. Yeah, actually. yeah. I think don't don't try and make it for everybody is the biggest sure. thing. Um, niche it down, niche it down on service, niche it down on your customer avatar as well. So really make sure that you've got something that um, is not going to bankrupt you. It's not going to be a huge amount of work for you, um, and just dip a toe in. Really, you don't have to go all the way with it straight away. Um, I think. The other top tip I would have is, is around the discounting and just don't feel that you have to give a load of stuff away because it's really not necessary. Um, and in a kind of negative way, I think you need to make sure people can cancel. And I see lots and lots of schemes where they're kind of locking people into these 12-month agreements. And I think it's a really big mistake. Obviously, you want to encourage people to have that loyalty and you, and you want to be able to plan for the next year knowing you've got a certain number of members that have signed up. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't think you can afford the kind of resentful attitude that you get. So, I mean, you must have been in the situation yourself where you join a gym and then three months later you realise you're not going but you've got a 12-month agreement and you can't get out of it. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it leaves a really sour taste and you're going to make sure that at the end of 12 months you remember to cancel and you're probably Absolutely, never going to yeah. go back to that gym again even if um, you decide you are going to do a health kick and go back to it. <laughs> we can't afford that in salons. No. Um, so you need to make sure that people can get out of it. So you need some kind of mechanism in place in your terms and conditions that lets people get out of their membership agreement. And, um, and ours is really simple. So basically all we do is we add up what services you've had during the year. Mm -hmm. We add up how much you paid in membership fees. And if you want to cancel and there's a difference to pay, you just pay the difference. Um, so financially, they're no worse off than if they've been paying as they were going. Um, and so that allows us then to allow people to cancel at three months or six months or whenever they want to in that 12-month agreement. And I think that's really, really important. That is fantastic. Um, and the other thing I would do is just try and be as creative as you can around the marketing of it. Make it feel like it's part of your salon. Um, so and that's where we went wrong so we did the whole kind of bronze silver gold platinum thing that didn't sound like us it, it's not that kind of salon it really isn't it's very friendly it's very family friendly it's very um, a, a bit tongue-in-cheek most of our marketing tends to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek and um, um, we have that kind of relationship with our customers so it didn't sound like us at all um, and what are your levels three... what are your levels called now we have scissor happy yeah we have multicolored we have 3d care 
and we have Bravo Ultimate. There we go. Much um, fun. Yeah, they just feel like us now, really. And um, and actually, people are more than welcome to go and have a look at the website. So it's bravohair.club. Uh-huh. Um, and they can go and look at the website and see the levels there. But we've done some cheesy little videos with a kind of jazz <laughs> background. And, and they're cute. You know, they're cute. And they're a little bit tongue-in-cheek. And um, and they just feel like, like part of what we're offering. So you kind of want something to feel... Um, maybe a bit exclusive if that's the that's the path you want to go down but it's got to hang with the rest of the salon it's got to feel integral right um otherwise it, I, I think you're limiting the success of it so yeah be creative with the marketing of it we're a creative industry but our marketing just isn't <laughs> in so many ways it does it does i don't know what happens it's almost like we have to put our business heads on now and yeah. be very grown up um <laughs> when actually that's not what customers love about us anyway um so i think we can afford to be a lot more creative with it so yeah awesome. i think that's my, my top tips for memberships fantastic well if what you've learned what you've heard today is of interest to you phil has taken everything that he has learnt and gone through and suffered creating a salon membership scheme that works and he's put all that into a course that is available online if you'd like to learn more about the course then that will take you through all of the ins and outs all of the things to do things to consider and kind of essentially walk you through creating your own membership scheme um, then visit www.beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash membership and all the details are there now phil have you got anything else coming up on the horizon that you'd like to let people know about Anything else coming up? So my first event, um, September the 17th, and then there's going to be quarterly events after that. So it'll be lovely to see some of your listeners at one of my events. What kind of event um, is that? What's what's going on? The fact, well, you're going to be there. First I am. One. I um, am. We're going to we're going to talk about digital marketing, which will be amazing. So we're going to cover Facebook. We're going to cover uh, not Snapchat. We're going to cover Facebook. We're going to cover Instagram, and we're going to cover email marketing in a day. Um, very practical, very hands-on. Um, so you have to bring your laptop or bring your tablets, and we're actually going to be doing some work there. It's not something where you're going to go away after some book learning and then forget all about it. We're actually going to be putting some of this stuff in place on the day as well. I love that. Um, so each each one's going to have a different theme. Um, so the January event is going to be a goal-setting one, so kick off the best year ever mm-hmm. for 2018. Um, I think the first event is going to be a money one, um, if I can get the speakers that I want to, otherwise the fourth one will be. And the third one, I think, if not, will be more of a kind of general marketing one, or it may be a team one, I'm not quite sure. Um, okay. And Where's that based? Yes, yeah, so they're all going to be in central London, I think, unless I can be persuaded otherwise. <laughs> um, certain, certainly the first two are going to be in central London, so we'll, we'll see what, what suits most people. I'm getting some flack. I'm getting some flack from you northerners saying that I need to, <laughs> I need to come further north. I have no idea what and, you mean. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I need to do something in Manchester, apparently, or, or, or thereabouts, so I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see where people are coming from and where suits best, but certainly the first two are going to be in London. Um, book three, I'm supposed to be writing in literally this month this is kind of part of the reason that i'm in spain um that will be the hairy book of profit um so it's going to be all money based and um it's supposed to be out in october it won't so i think we'll probably (laughs) be looking at february or march next year um and then of course all the regular stuff that i'm doing so there's the weekly blogs and podcasts and videos and all that lovely fun stuff too Excellent. Now, I'll put links to all of that stuff on the show notes page, uh, which you'll be able to find at www.beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash 14. Um, but in the meantime, if people want to find out more about you, Phil, follow you, stalk you online, all of that kind of stuff, what's the best place to mm-hmm. track you down? Best place to find me is probably Facebook. Um, so my company is called Build Your Salon. Build Your Salon has its own Facebook page and all of the stuff is it, all the links to find me are in there on instagram i'm mr phil jackson um 
and uh, yeah that's probably the best two places to find me awesome phil thank you very very much for your time i'm just a little bit jealous that you're heading off to the beach now i'm currently uh, in my office at my house looking out at a gray sky but you know there you go that's <laughs> them's the breaks so thank yeah. you very very much for being here really appreciate that you're very welcome it's been my pleasure adam excellent speak to you soon take care mate bye-bye how awesome was that I'm genuinely so honoured that Phil agreed to come on the show today and to share this knowledge and his experience with you. And I hope it made you think and gave you some food for thought, maybe even the desire to learn more. As always, you can find the show notes with all the details, the point, the links and everything else at www.beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 14. Now, if you'd like to check out Phil's course to learn exactly how to design, implement and launch your own membership scheme in your beauty business without making the mistakes that Phil readily admits he made along the way, then simply go to beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash membership for more information. Thank you so much for listening today. I know how busy you all are and how precious time can be, so I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. I know I always ask, but... If you do find value in today's episode, can I ask you to please leave a review on iTunes? You can do this on your phone, on your iPad or on your computer, and it really helps me to know that I'm delivering the information that you need right now. Plus, it helps other beauty business owners find the show and learn how to build the salon business they dream of. Here's a review left on iTunes in the UK by JCN4. They say, such a useful podcast. I'm in the process of researching opening a small spa and this has been just as useful, if not more useful, than courses that I'm paying for. I've learned so much and it will be invaluable to me if and when I decide to start up. Thank you for the podcasts. Well, thank you, JCN4, whoever you are. It's comments like this that make creating these podcast episodes worthwhile. I wish you all the best of luck with planning and opening your spa. Please do let me know how you get on. Now, in next week's episode... I'm still getting used to saying that. In next week's episode, I will be talking about clients, where to find clients, how to get them to come to your salon, and how to keep them coming back again, again, and again, and again. So have a fantastic rest of your day and rest of your week. I'll speak to you again in just a few days' time. Bye for now. Bye.